Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, living the eternal way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join the discussion, email us at yogahour at unity.fm. Now, here's your host, Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and I'll be sharing with you today some insights and practices from the spiritual tradition of yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization. Yoga is a very familiar Sanskrit word today, but not everyone is aware of its essential meaning. It it refers to union or oneness, uh, to bind back. It means bringing our attention and our awareness to rest consciously in our essential spiritual nature. Or we could say it means being restored to our original wholeness. It is abiding in that conscious awareness of our true self. It is self-realization. It is not just knowing this, of course, as information, but realizing it and then being able to live in harmony with it. Uh, Today's conversation is part of a series of conversations we've been having on the Yoga Hour, um, drawing inspiration from the Bhagavad Gita. And today topic, Awaken Love and Compassion Through Discerning the Atman, the True Self. And for today's program, I am joined by Dr. Anantanand Rambachan. He is a chair and professor of religion and philosophy and Asian studies at St. Olaf College in Minnesota, where he's been teaching since 1985. Uh, Dr. Rambachan has been involved in the field of interreligious relations and dialogue for over 25 years. As a Hindu participant and analyst, he's currently an advisor to the Pluralism Project at Harvard University, a member of the International Advisory Council for the Tony Blair Faith Foundation, a member of the Theological Education Committee of the American Academy of Religion, and uh, he's also on the Board of Trustees of the Parliament of the World's Religions. And uh, he delivered the invocation address at the historic White House celebration of the Hindu Festival of Diwali in 2003 and in 2004. You can find out more about uh, him and uh, St. Olaf at stolaf.edu. And you also can find his books on Amazon. And if you're there at CSE in San Jose, you'll find uh, his title, The Advaita Worldview, uh, in our Tree of Life bookstore. Welcome, Dr. Ramachan. I'm so delighted you could join us today on the Yoga Hour. Thank you very much, uh, Ellen. It's uh, an honor to join you for this conversation. And I want to say a very, very special uh, namaste to all of your listeners uh, around the world, and to say that I look forward very much uh, to our dialogue with you 
and uh, with all of them this this afternoon. Thank you so much. And as we um, prepare ourselves now, let's take a moment just to meditate together. In this moment, let us direct our attention to divine reality, opening our hearts and our minds to divine omnipresence, recognizing one reality that is called by many names as the support and the substance of all that is. So we can know and we can affirm that right where we are, right now, right in this very moment, this divine reality is already fully present. It is present as me, as you, as everyone, as everything. It is around us. It is between us. It is beyond us. It is all in all. So in this moment... Let's simply draw our attention and awareness to that. Move our attention from the periphery, from being involved in the activities of our day, the thoughts moving through our mind. Simply direct attention into the depths. And you can use your breath to do that. So as you breathe in, just feel that you're drawing your attention within. And as you breathe out, feel that you're letting go. You're letting go of stress and you're letting go of attachment to thoughts and things. And simply being in this moment. And as we turn our attention within in this way and we practice letting go, we can become aware of our essential nature, that which is pure and still, that which is beyond words and thought, unchanging, unmoving, pure existence being. And when we touch that, we find peace fills our hearts and our minds. So in this moment, as we touch that peace, let us inwardly agree to let that peace overflow for all beings everywhere. Love and compassion are natural endowments of the soul. And when we are freed from the narrow confines of self-interest and discover our oneness with all that is, we find a source of happiness and satisfaction that might have previously escaped us. Bhagavad Gita offers profound wisdom for living in love and for infusing our actions with compassion. In this first segment, we're going to take a look at Um, What makes that possible? How it is we discover true fulfillment? The Gita tells us this is done by being satisfied in the self by the self. One of the perennial dilemmas of our life that the Gita helps us to understand more deeply is the nature of desire. What we need to know about that wanting um, that we experience, what can satisfy this wanting and what will not satisfy it. Knowing this distinction is the key to real happiness, to lasting happiness and um, true fulfillment. Anant, what does the Gita tell us about the nature of desire? Ellen, the the Gita has uh, a lot to say about uh, desire. And I think the wisdom of the Gita, like any other sacred text, emerges from careful reflection, careful meditation 
on on the profoundity of its uh, words. So that sometimes many speak of the Gita as teaching or enunciating a, a wisdom about desirelessness. In other words, the Gita is often represented as leading us to be completely free from from desire. But I think the the idea of the Gita is not total freedom from from desire. I think the Gita distinguishes between different kinds of of desires. After all, if we take the the story of the Gita literally uh, as a conversation occurring in the world between the teacher who is uh, Krishna and his disciple who is Arjuna, Krishna has has desires. He's acting out of certain kinds of uh, desires. So I think that the Gita problematizes those uh, desires that are more likened to to greed, those desires that are, are born out of ignorance of the truth of of one's uh, uh, self, and uh, these are desires for for power, for fame, for for wealth. All of these things are not in themselves evil or wrong. But when they become excessive, when they become uncontrollable, when they lead us to engage in behavior that hurts others and ultimately hurts ourselves, then I think um, they are unhelpful uh, desires. Now, I think in the Gita, the most fundamental desire of every human being is is the desire for for the infinite. It is it could be rephrased and described as a desire for happiness because in the Gita the infinite being is Ananda, the infinite being is joy. So this we all have uh, uncreated a natural desire to be full, to be complete, uh, to be without lack, without want. Unfortunately, we pursue this search, which is the search for God, for our own true selves. We we pursue this search by clinging to finite and and perishable objects. And they ultimately fail to satisfy us. We become frustrated. We become hurtful to others. uh, We cause pain uh, to ourselves. So I think it's what is necessary for us to... to reflect on our desires and to see how, as important as finite things are in our lives, they are not the ultimate end that will will bring us the peace and the joy and the fullness mm-hmm. that we want. Exactly. And, you know, when um, Arjuna asks um, Krishna, you know, why is it <laughs> that, yes. you know, sometimes um, we're, we're driven to do things um, are seemingly driven to do things even against our own better judgment, you know. And yes. I think, you know, everyone, if they're really honest, has had that experience, you know, where you can just yes. watch, you know, that you you have an urge to do something and your um, your discernment says not a good idea, but you, yes. you, you know, you still find yourself um, doing this thing. And so Arjuna says, you know, what causes this? What, you know, what makes this happen? And of course, of course, um, uh, Krishna identifies it as desire. And there's a beautiful passage in the second uh, chapter, verses 62 and 63, that says, yeah. when, a, when a person thinks of sense objects, uh, he develops yeah. an attachment to them. And from attachment yeah. comes desire, and from desire ensues anger. You know, this anger that comes from unfulfilled desire. From anger comes delusion. From delusion follows confused memory. Confused memory results in loss of reason. From the loss of reason, um, you know, one is completely lost then without reason. So um, it's a beautiful description of what can happen if if we don't 
recognize the uh, limited nature of desire. You know, if we get hooked into it, I've often thought about it in in the sense that, um, you know, this mistaken idea of what desires can do for us, you know, that we're looking for, as you said, the infinite in the finite. And, And something can only give us of its own nature, you know, what it is. So something can, finite can only provide us with finite level of satisfaction. Um, yes. But still, it seems we want to test that out. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Uh, I mean, you know, sometimes we need the <clears throat> the, the experiential um, dimension. In other words, we need to realize uh, how limited, uh, as you put it. Uh, the limited satisfaction of finite uh, desires. Now, I, I think that the, the religious part in some ways or for many of us begins when we come to... It's, it's not born out of uh, a sense of frustration with life or failure in life, but out of deep reflection, sometimes out of great success. We have so many accounts in the in the Upanishads, which are part of the Vedas, of very, very successful uh, people, successful scholars, success, successful men and women in the world who have accumulated wealth and, and power and very famous people, coming at some point in time, in spite of all of this success, to experience a, a profound sense of lack a profound sense of, of want, the, 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 the experience of having everything and yet being in, in sorrow or, or being in what, you know, what we speak of as, as dukkha, a deep experiential sense of uh, lack or, or want. And so the tradition advises in one of the one very famous Upanishadic uh, dialogue that when one reflects very deeply on one's life. One comes to realize that all of the finite goals that I've, that I've sought and I've accomplished still leave me a wanting being. One comes to discover you know, that I'm seeking something that is not finite. I'm, I'm seeking uh, the, infinite, the infinite one, and therefore the infinite one is not going to be accomplished or, or gained in the same way that I satisfy a finite desire. I need to look elsewhere. I need Mm -hmm. to search uh, differently. At that point, you know, the spiritual tradition says, go to a teacher, find find a teacher, find a wise person who not only knows the tradition, who not only has intellectual wisdom, but a person who has, who lives that tradition, for whom that tradition is alive, for whom, in whom, that wisdom uh, is like a, a burning flame. So someone who knows, but someone who, for whom knowledge is also being mm-hmm. and, uh, and realization. Mm-hmm. Then you can have a, a transmission of, uh, of that truth um, because, as you say, it, it can't really come to us as, as information. It's not an object. <laughs> it's, the, it's the self. And so um, having an introduction uh, from someone who has realized that self is, is the way that the door uh, opens for us. Um, we're going to take a break in just a moment now, but when we come back, um, Anant, let's talk a little bit more about this, about the nature of the self, about what the Atman uh, really is and how coming to know that um, is the key to finding that fulfillment and um, freedom from um, being driven by desires. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with guest Dr. Anantanand Rambachan, and you can find his books on Amazon and uh, also at Tree of Life in San Jose, and we'll be right back in just a moment. If Unity Online Radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one, 
please consider supporting this online radio programming. Visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world. From on the air to on the sea, pack your bags and come with me. Hey, hey, what you waiting for? An early winter rendezvous with all the things you love to do. Hey, hey, treat yourself to more. A little more summer, a little more sun, a little less work and a lot more fun. A little more beach, a little more sand. A little less stress and a lot more pain. Join your favorite Unity Online Radio hosts for Cruise in the Caribbean, November 10th to 17th, 2012. On this fun-filled Caribbean adventure, enjoy sunshine, exceptional dining, and island excursions. Feed your spirit with music, message, and meditation, plus one-on-one time with some of your favorite hosts. That's Cruise in the Caribbean, November 10th to 17th, 2012. To learn more, go to unity.fm slash cruise. A little more sunset, a little more sea, a little less do and a lot more be. of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and to join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and I'm joined today by Dr. Anantanand Rambachan, and we're talking about um, the wisdom in the Bhagavad Gita for awakening love and compassion through discovering the Atman or the true self. And um, in the first segment of the program, we were talking about desire and um, the problems it can call, cause and, and also um, how in some ways it can help us, um, it can quicken our, our way on the path of awakening because we find um, that we have a yearning deep inside of us, which is this yearning to uh, to realize, this yearning for God, this yearning to know the truth that we find is not satisfied um, through worldly desires. But there is that which does satisfy, and of course that is coming to know the truth of our own um, being. And um, so there is a way in the Gita that is uh, prescribed for us to be free from this greed. It says that this craving is vanished when the supreme is known and when we recognize the nature of the self or the Atman. Uh, Anand, tell us a bit about this nature of the Atman, the true self. I mean, if I may start by just uh, connecting what we were just uh, speaking about, and uh, so let us take the example of a of a person who has come to sense in a very intimate way the limits of all finite gains, and so this person sort of throws his or her hands up in the air and asks, "Well." Is there anything more? Is there something that is some gain which is going to satisfy this desire in me for fullness of of being? Some gain that can overcome my sense of 
lack and insufficiency. And uh, in a very simple um, way, the, the Gita and the whole tradition upon which the Gita is based answers this question by the radical, amazing uh, wisdom that, in fact, we are what we, are, what we have been seeking. We are already what we are seeking to, to become. In other words, the, the gist of this, of this teaching is that the seeker is the thought. And so there are so many wonderful stories. I'm sure you have encountered many in your, in your readings about you know, people looking for something, people seeking for something that is right before them and, and, and which they miss because it is so close and, 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 and in fact, not separate uh, from them. And uh, so the, the Gita's vision, the Gita's wisdom is that fullness which we want to become is what we are if only we knew ourselves. Because at the heart of the human problem is what is, is, is ignorance. In Sanskrit, this ignorance is called avidya. And it is an ignorance that is centered on ourselves. We are fundamentally ignorant of who we are. And we take ourselves to be something other than what we are. What we take ourselves to be is a, is a limited being, a being that is subject to time, a being that is born, and a being that, is, that, that, that dies, when in fact we are Atman. Atman, which is, in Sanskrit, the, the, the expression that we use for Atman is Satchit Ananda. I'm sure you, you're very mm-hmm. familiar with that mm-hmm. expression. But to, to speak about the Atman in a very brief way, Ellen, I would start by saying that Atman is the most immediately available. It's, it's you. And uh, because it's you, it's always present. It is here and it is now. In fact, we don't have to prove the, the existence of the Atman because it is immediately available. It is, it is your own true nature. Mm. One of the, the methods, the, the easiest method that is employed both in the Gita and in the Upanishads and, and by the long line of teachers who have expounded this, this wisdom is the, the, the method of, of contemplating the distinction between the self and the non-self, or in other words, the knower and the known. And when one begins to employ this profound method of contemplation or reflection, one comes, Ellen, to, to realize that one's body is an object of one's knowledge, that one is aware of one's body, one is aware of one's sense organs, one is aware of all of the, the, the biological processes of one's body. And if we move from the level of body to the level of mind, while we so easily identify ourselves with all of our different states of mind, when we say, I am angry, I am jealous, I am, I am depressed, we, we can also, through a deep process of self-observation, observation of the mind, we can realize that all of our thoughts, all of the, the range of changes that go on in our minds, these are also objects. We are aware of these as well. So using this method, we come to discover that Atman is that which is, Atman is the light of awareness. Mm-hmm. It is that because of which we know everything, including the body, the mind, all thoughts, all emotions. Mm-hmm. And it is that which cannot be made into an object. You know, the Upanishads 
Kena Upanishad has a very beautiful and poetic way of talking about this Atman and says that that because of which the mind knows but which cannot be known by the mind mm-hmm. is the Atman. Mm-hmm. That which the eye that because of which the eyes see but which cannot be seen. Now that which the that because of which the air hears, but which cannot be heard. So Atman is that infinite light of awareness, because of which every sense organ functions, because of which the mind thinks, but which is an eternal subject. It is never an object. And in addition to that, Ellen, that Atman is the light. It is in Sanskrit we say it's Jyoti, in the light of lights. In addition to that, that awareness is is timeless. Because we are aware of time, we are aware of change. As Sri Krishna, in Bhagavad Gita, he uses a very beautiful analogy to teach about the timeless nature of this Atman. He says that we can all remember our bodies at different stages of our lives. Like you and I right now, we have childhood memories of our childhood bodies, our youthful bodies, and our bodies now. So in the childhood body, I was. In the youthful body, I was. In this body, I am. The body undergoes a series of changes. But you who are aware of the body, you're a constant, unchanging awareness. And that awareness, that Atman, is not true. It is, it is the self of all. It is, it is one. Mm. It is identically present in, in all beings. It is full. It is complete. It has no lack. It has no want. In Sanskrit, we use the word, the word that describes freedom from want or lack is Ananda. Ananda means fullness, completeness, that to which nothing, that to which nothing needs to be added, that which has no lack, no deficiency, no inadequacy, and that is the, that is the being that we all are, and that is the self that we we must all own, and that is the 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 self uh, from which we should live our lives. That that wisdom about ourselves is the wisdom from which we should live. So that if you ask me, and I'll stop by just one last sentence, that the vision of the Gita, its culminating vision, is to teach us that in life we don't always have to live to be happy. There is a vision, there is an understanding of oneself that enables one to live from happiness. Mm-hmm. One can live from a state of fullness not always for the gain of fullness, mm-hmm. if one mm-hmm. discovers that the fullness which one seeks is, is already mm-hmm. the greatest gift that one has. It mm-hmm. is one's own self. That was so beautifully expressed, Anand. Thank you so much. And, it, and that, that, that really leads us into that um, area of, of our conversation about, you know, how is it that we overcome, you know, this, this craving? And of course, as you have so beautifully described, you know, once we discover wholeness, once we discover the self that is not lacking, then we are freed from um, trying to find something that we haven't lost. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's the it's the sense of you know disconnection from the self, or somehow you know that we need something to to make us happy, to make us satisfied, to make us whole, to make us complete. You know, this yeah. error in our perception, you know, is the cause of that craving. You know, as you as you identified earlier, you know this avidya, this this ignorance, this wrong knowledge, really, of the self yes. that gives rise then to you know trying to overcome this mistaken identity. But you know, once we have the direct experience, the realization, really, of the self, then we find it is possible, as you just described, to live from this place of wholeness 
from this place of fullness, um, exactly. from you know, from contentment. I that was one of the uh, you know, a favorite teachings in the Yoga Sutra that you know points to that, and you know where it says that um, from uh, contentment springs the highest happiness. And yes. I remember, you know, when I first read that, I thought, I don't quite understand that because I always thought, well, if I, you know, if I get this or I have that or I accomplish that, I'll be happy. And then once I'm happy, then I'll be content. <laughs> but, but this teaching, of course, completely turns it around. And, and, it, and what it's telling us is, you know, to abide in, in the wholeness of the self and to know that contentment and and that becomes and is really the happiness that cannot be uh shaken it's because that's it's not exactly right that's actually expression yeah. in the gita that you know the happiness is a gain that has can never be lost because it's not right. it's not conditional to to begin with it is with. not and conditional exactly. and, so, and it's not it is not created by any kind of finite action it is what is always it is always there and when one reflects, even, you know, we have glimpses of, of, of the truth of ourselves, sometimes even in finite gains. I didn't think about this, and, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure that this is not, again, what I'm saying is not new to you. But even when we, let's say we have a desire for any particular finite gain, um, Anything, let's say, you know, some object I want to purchase a particular kind of car that I have a desire for. You gave that very good, <laughs> insightful sequence from the second chapter of the Bhagavad Gita mm. early on. So yeah. a desire is born in my mind. I want this particular object. I want this particular uh, car. And then, I, uh, you know, this desire grows uh, strong, and then I set out, you know, energetically to to achieve it. And then when I gain, when the object is gained, when the desire is satisfied, the object is accomplished and gained, there is a, a, a state of mind which we will describe as a contented state of mind or a happy state of mind. But in fact, it's very easy to see that the, the contentedness or the, the, the happiness that came from the gain of the, of the object of desire really had not anything to do in particular with that object. Uh, it, it's the gain of the object simply was the occasion to remove from my mind a state of want or a state of lack. And if at least for a short period of time, I am no longer wanting and I experience a, a, state, of, uh, a state of contentedness or a state of uh, happiness. Now, because if it was the object, <laughs> that object should make anyone who gained it happy, but it doesn't. Mm -hmm. it, yeah. it only makes, brings happiness to the person who wants it. But the gain of the object only brings about a certain condition of mind, which is a condition that, in which the mind is free from want and desire. In that condition, one is with oneself. One comes to experience the, the non-dual self. One, one comes to experience uh, what we spoke, spoke earlier about as Ananda, which is one's own true nature. Of course, because it's a finite object and, uh, and, and there is still ignorance and one doesn't understand or truly you know, has, doesn't have the insight to understand that the, the, the contentedness or the, the joy is one's own self. It is, no long, it is not long-lasting and it soon you know, dissipates and one becomes wanting. Again, but in, 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 in a deep sense, any joy that one experiences is always the, the ananda that is the Atman. Mm, and and it, it's just, as you described it, it the, this joy actually does not come from the external thing or event. It, it, what happens is that when, when that um, desire is satisfied, the mind yes. is, becomes quiet. <laughs> And exactly. when the mind becomes quiet, yes. 
and there's yes. not that restlessness in the mind, then we can yes. experience the peace, yes. uh, the anand, the joy that is innate um, exactly. to our being, and that that is the joy. That is what we yes. are experiencing, yes. but we don't know yes. that, and so we confuse it. We think, well, it did come from that car, <laughs> but yes. then and then you know when it dissipates, you know the mind becomes clouded again, and then it dissipates. And then we think, well, it came from that car before, and so yes. now it it now it's gone. But it must it must mean that I got the wrong kind of car. And so now <laughs> I should, I should yeah. go and, and look for another one. And so there is that, that confusion, you know, that, that, that clouds are our reason, uh, as the Gita, as the Gita says. Now we're ready for our break again. And when we come back, um, we'll continue this conversation and we'll, we'll take it into looking at, um, awakened love and compassion and how, how that can happen with us. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with special guest Dr. Anantan Rambachan. And if you have any questions, you can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm and we'll be back with you in just a moment. From on the air to on the sea, pack your bags and come with me. Hey, hey, what you waiting for? An early winter rendezvous with all the things you love to do. Hey, hey, treat yourself to more. A little more summer, a little more sun, a little less work and a lot more fun. A little more beach, a little more sand. A little less stress and a lot more pain. Join your favorite Unity Online Radio hosts for Cruise in the Caribbean, November 10th to 17th, 2012. On this fun-filled Caribbean adventure, enjoy sunshine, exceptional dining, and island excursions. Feed your spirit with music, message, and meditation, plus one-on-one time with some of your favorite hosts. That's Cruise in the Caribbean, November 10th to 17th, 2012. To learn more, go to unity.fm slash cruise. A little more sunset, a little more sea, a little less do and a lot more have a good life and are grateful for it. But what if you stretched beyond good and shifted to amazing? Join Reverend Temple Hayes, Senior Minister of the First Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, as she guides you on a journey to an amazing life. Transcend the need for acceptance of others and be an example of living the truth. Empower your life and fully express the wondrous energy, love, and joy you hold in your wildest imagining. Joyfully and actively know that more important than what happens after you die is the deeper and enriching concern for what happens while you're living. How can you experience an amazing life right now? Learn how each week on From Good to Amazing. Mondays at 4 p.m. Central Time right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at yogahour at unity.fm and we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien and my guest today is Dr. Anantanand Rambachan. And we're talking about. Um, the way of awakened love and compassion as uh, is found in the Bhagavad Gita. And we've been talking about uh, the nature of uh, the self, the Atman that is whole and complete, and how realizing that can help free us from uh, desire that becomes greed, a kind of craving that uh, clouds our, our wisdom and has us um, engage in life in, in ways that our, our higher judgment would um, tell us not to go that direction. 
And so, you know, when we look at um, the power of realizing the self to um, free us from that kind of mistaken um, wanting, um, we also see that something else is revealed in the teachings, and that is that coming to realize this self can also be a pathway to um, self-acceptance and transformation of our motives and helping us awaken to compassion, to higher ways of being in the world. So tell us a little bit about how you see that working. What does the Gita say about um, what, what leads us to be able to um, open our hearts more, be more compassionate, be able to rejoice in the well-being uh, of everyone? Yes. And let us again connect from what we uh, were just uh, discussing on the nature of the of the Atman. And so what we were sharing with, with each other uh, is that self-understanding is significant, is a significant transformation of the way in which one comes to know oneself, one comes to know who one is. But as we, as we said, the Atman, which is the, you know, the Sanskrit word for this uh, self, is understood and, and uh, taught by Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita as it is not the ego, which is, you know, which is many in number. There are many egos. There is always only one Atman. Atman is not, Atman is not two. So in the Bhagavad Gita, uh, the teacher Sri Krishna would say to his disciple Arjuna, I am the Atman in, in all beings. So that what this self-awakening, this wisdom does for us, it frees us, as we said, from our own deep sense of personal want and lack and inadequacy. We, we, come, we awaken to the fullness of being that we all are. But it also transforms, which is where, uh, the, the point uh, which you are pointing to, it transforms our understanding of our relationships with others. And I think this is very important, and I'm very happy that you, you brought it up. Because self-knowledge not only frees us from something, it doesn't only free us from self-ignorance, but it also liberates us to live a, a, a very celebratory kind of relationship with others, because what what happens since the Atman is not two, since it's a unifying reality in all beings, we uh, we 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 awaken, in the words of the Bhagavad Gita, to seeing ourselves in everyone else. We recognize ourselves in everyone else, and that recognition we often speak of as love or compassion. Mm-hmm. Now, Ellen, think of it in this way. Even in normal uh, context, love is always based upon recognition of some affinity, recognition of some unity with another. So if I take my own, my own family, you know, my wife and I, we see ourselves in our children. You know, they share something from us genetically. We have nurtured and we have raised them and our love is grounded in, in recognition of ourselves in them and their love for us is also grounded in some recognition of ourselves in them. Mm-hmm. But in the case, now we, we extend this, this to the truth of the Atman, which is the unifying, divine, infinite, divine presence in all beings. And uh, so the consequences of Atman knowledge, logically, spontaneously, is learning to identify 
with others, with all other beings, because the Atman, uh, and in fact you said that in your meditation, is, you know, it is not, it has no boundaries. Mm-hmm. It is present in, in us and outside of us. There are no walls that can uh, separate it or divide it. It is equally and identically present in, in all. And the Gita uses a very beautiful, repeats in fact, a very beautiful Sanskrit phrase about what uh, love and compassion is. It says at several moments, Sarva Bhuta Hiterataha, one who is awakened to oneself is one who rejoices in the well-being of all. Mm-hmm. And you know, and that is so beautiful to hear. And and we also understand, you know, from what we were talking about earlier, that as we come to know our own true self, and we're freed from that mistaken uh, craving that comes from the idea of lack or something missing. You know, part of what we're freed from is using other people as as yeah. a means, you know, to to get something. And so, you know, a, a lot of relationships are corrupted because yeah. of that ignorance. You know, the idea that somehow that other person becomes, um, you know, some stepping stone, right, for us yeah. to get to so get what true. we want. Are we, you know, yeah. or sometimes, you know, people even will set other people up, you know, as their higher power, as their God, you know, that that person is my source of security, that person is my source of love, that person is my source of happiness. But, you know, when we recognize uh, that, as you said earlier, that which we are seeking is our own self, our own higher self, when we recognize that. And that that self is in all. Exactly. Then we're freed, yes. you know, from trying to get that get that from somebody else, and exactly. and that yes. that does so much to to help yes. uh, relationships. And that, well, know, I think be... it's a really important point that you know, and if we maybe had time, it's something that we could discuss very very long. And this last last point that you identified, because we we cause so much pain to others when our expectations of relationships with them are also unrealistic. Mm-hmm. You know, like we have unrealistic expectations of finite things, I think if when, when as you say, you know, we look to other beings to satisfy this, this desire that we have for fullness, and they can't. Mm-hmm. They can't. And therefore, what you mentioned earlier also, it leads to anger uh, towards them. We want, to, we want to blame them because we are we are expecting from them the kind of fullness which no one can give to us and comes from only from awakening to who we are and awakening to who they are as well. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, it has been so lovely to have this conversation with you and we're going to um, be finished in just a few moments. But before we do, I want to take the opportunity to ask you um, about just a favorite teaching that you have from the Bhagavad Gita, if we haven't touched on it already, and if we had, just go back there again. You know, what What would you like to just draw? You know, like we could just pull a diamond from the mind that is this, uh, this, song, this song of God, you know. What, what well, would you leave someone with? Before I say that, Ellen, let me, let me say from my heart also, what a tremendous joy it is to, to have this conversation with you. And as I said at the beginning, and I feel so even more that we've had this conversation. What an honor it is to have the opportunity to talk to you and to share these thoughts with all your listeners around the world. It's so f- interesting that you, you just used the word diamond. <laughs> because when you started this program and you said, uh, I'm going to ask you if you had something special to share, immediately my mind went to one of my favorite uh, uh, similes from the Bhagavad Gita. And <laughs> coincidentally, it is a simile that speaks about a jewel or jewels. Uh-huh. That's great. <laughs> and then you just mentioned uh, a diamond. And I, I'll leave you and leave with all your wonderful um, listeners uh, this uh, profound uh, example that the Gita uses when it says that everything is strong. Everything is strong on this infinite one. 
this infinite being, uh, like jewels on a string. Everything is strung on on the infinite one, like jewels on a string. It gives us a, a very inviting um, simile for contemplation. Everything in creation, whether it's every human being, every every human being, every plant, every animal, every sun, every moon, every star, is like a jewel, a diamond. And uh, the infinite one, the one that, with whom we are, from whom we never separate, is like the string. Mm. That which unites all, present in all, mm-hmm. <laughs> holds that everything is- together, pervades uh, everything like a string uh, pervades and holds together a necklace of, of, of diamonds, a necklace of, mm-hmm. of jewels. Thank you so much. That is a it is a beautiful um, gem to leave us with, and and to have us think about that which connects everyone yes, and everything. Exactly. It has been such a joy to share this yoga hour with you, and I want to um, invite the, our our listeners to join me next week uh, when I'll be speaking with Nikolai Bachman. Uh, the program will be on the core of yoga: some essential ideas for spiritually conscious living from the yoga. Sutra. And if you'd like to register for this weekend's Yoga Sutra Immersion Retreat in person or online, you can find information at csecenter.org. Once again, thank you, Anand, for being with me today. And I look forward to being with you all again next week. And remember, until then, to let your inner light shine into the world and to share your peace and your joy with everyone you meet. Bye, everyone. Bye, Anand. Thank you again. Bye, Ellen, and thank you again. It's a joy. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity FM the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. Music Speaks Louder Than Words is an inspiring, informative, and fun hour of uplifting, heartfelt music and commentary that delivers a powerful message of love, joy, and oneness. It will keep you smiling and singing along. Your host, Dale Worley, is alive with the Spirit of God each Thursday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, with Music Speaks Louder Than Words. Music, it's the only thing that the whole world listens to. Repeat the words, God is taking care of it, and it will become clear that you are the channel and that God is the doer of good works through you. This meditative moment, adapted from Mary Cupferly's God Will See You Through, is brought to you by Unity. Have you ever considered that everything you think and say is a prayer to the universe? Are you sending a positive or negative message? Join Rev. Beverly Molander and her guest on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, to find out how you can activate your own power of yes. Using Affirmative Prayer, or positive intention, can make a big difference in the way you think, feel, and live. If you want help moving from chaos to clarity in relationships, health, prosperity, or work, This is the place for you. We'll have some how-to suggestions about how you can say yes more often from this point forward. 
Talk with Beverly Melander and her guest live every Monday at noon central or 1 p.m. Eastern. Affirmative Prayer, activating the power of yes. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. 